Yeah. So my name is Paris Yano, and we are in the class supporting foster, adoptive, and kidship care families in your church. So that's what we're going to talk about today, um, just to make sure you're in the right class. And um, before we get started, we're going to just pray and ask God just to bless our time together. So Lord, we just thank you, Father God, for this opportunity, Lord. I pray, Father God, that you would just use me today as I share, and Lord, that we would just glean everything today that we need to glean from you, Lord, everything that you would want us to receive today. Our hearts are open. We love you, Jesus. Amen. So, um, just to tell you a little bit more about me, to let's see this is my family so this is the Yano family and um, as you can see they all look just like me right <laughs> so um, my husband and I we were pastors in uh, Youngstown and we ran a nonprofit there for 26 years so we worked with children and youth in the inner city and um, we had a lot of vulnerable kids that we were working with and as a result we uh, ended up becoming foster parents and so we fostered for about 10 years and we ended up adopting three of our foster children so in this picture you see um, you see uh, our three Oh, you can't tell the the we have three adopted children let me show you let's see so this is our daughter this is our son Jay and this is Dante who we adopted and Caleb is a biological child Paris and Dante are biological children and then I have three wonderful daughter-in-laws and one son-in-law so this is my daughter-in-law my daughter-in-law and my daughter-in-law my son-in-law and then the like the cherry on top of the Sunday is my grandbabies right here, Jason Kai. They look really thrilled in that picture. <laughs> we couldn't get them to smile. When you want them to smile, they won't smile. But um, yeah, I mean, being a grandparent is absolutely the best. So. So that's a little bit about our family. And so living this journey of foster care and adoption, I can tell you foster and adoptive parents need support. <laughs> and I thank God at the time, uh, I didn't know about a system or anything to provide support for foster families, but thank God our church kind of like organically supported us. You know, I think I wish I... It, I would have known about all that I know about now that it would have been a little bit more organized and more routine. But, um, you know, I had family, I had people in the church would say, hey, I know you're having a rough week, let me bring you a meal. And I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus, you know. Um, so we did have support, which was a life changer, because we could have never, I mean, I was working full-time, running a nonprofit, my husband was working full-time pastoring, there was no way we could have fostered or adopted without support. Um, there is just no way that we would have been able to do it. So this is very, very important. It's close to my heart. So I, uh, as we dig in this morning, we're going to talk about, first of all, like why? Why should we be involved in this? But before we do, let me just get a show in the room. Do we have any foster parents in the room? Okay, few, yeah. And um, do we have any adoptive parents in the room? Okay, 
yep. Yay! <laughs> All right. And do we have any pastors in the room? Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, um, so why? We're going to talk about that first. Why should we care for orphans? Well, the gospel is our why. If we look at John 1, 9 to... Oh, you know what? Let me do this. 9 to 14... It says, the true light that gives, us, gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe... In his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of na natural descent, nor of human decision, but a husband's will, born, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from Father, full of grace and truth. So we see here that adoption is one of the things that we see in scripture. And the cool thing is, it is all throughout scripture, is this um, weaving of adoption all throughout scripture. And the best thing of all, we see in verse 12, it says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So we ourselves are adopted, we are grafted into God's family. This is a big deal. So it's all through scripture. I know when we adopted our children, uh, Dante, Raquel, and Jay, they took on our name. But not only that, they were totally and completely grafted into our family. The responsibilities of Ayano now became their responsibilities, you know. The, the inheritance of Ayano now became their inheritance. They had the responsibility of carrying the name Yano, and now they have the full benefits of being a Yano. Just like God, we have the full benefits of our relationship with Heavenly Father. Praise God. And the cool thing is, is that becoming a child of God changed my destiny. It changed the course that my life was yeah. going on, thank God. And when I adopted my children into my house, you know what? Their destiny was changed. And the course that their life was on totally took another direction. Thank God. And secondly, we have incarnation. The incarnation we see in scripture, in verse 14, it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace. You know, Jesus himself came to this messy earth. He could have stayed in heaven, but he chose to step into brokenness. He chose to get his hands dirty with this sinful world. God didn't run away from uh, brokenness, but he ran to it. And that's exactly what he's calling his church to do. And I think in our society today, in America, we tried to choose the most convenient play, the pathway, right? And we try to do everything we can to avoid the messes. But God is calling us into the mess. 
He's calling us to get our hands dirty and to care for vulnerable. We see in James 1.27, it says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself being polluted by the world. You know, this verse is a description. It's a description of what pure religion is. And it says it, it's, it's to accept as pure and faultless. It's this, to look after the orphans and widows. In other verses, I mean, other versions, it says to visit them. So it's actually having to go to them, right? It's actually going to them. So this is a description of religion. It's we're to go to the most vulnerable. Back in, in this time, the orphans and widows were two of the most vulnerable people in their society, just like today, right? And so God's saying, I think orphans and widows could be any vulnerable, <laughs> you know? It could be vulnerable, but God's calling us to go to them. And it's interesting that it says to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And I'm just wondering, like, if you go into brokenness, like God's calling us, go into care for the orphans and widows, does this help you stay unpolluted from the world? You know, does this help you maybe not think of yourself or uh, be caught up with material things? But maybe gives you another mindset. I was just like, that's cool that that's in that verse. So those are the why. But then you also might be asking, well, why do foster parents need support? Why do adoptive and kinship care parents need support? Why is that important? Uh, you know, there's lots of families in our church that could probably use support, right? Well, we're going to look at that. Um, and one thing I'd like to do is, so why, is show this video. Let's see if I can get it to play. How do I do this now? Let me see. Oh, I got it. Just one day, your life can change. I'm sound asleep. Suddenly, police are pounding on the front door. I hold tight to my big sister, Maya, while they pull me away from my screaming mom. Phone calls are made. Then I hear the saddest words ever. No one will take in a teenager. So they split us up. They take Maya to a group home, but I can't go with her. I'm all alone in my first foster home. The food is gross, I hate my new school, and I miss Maya. I've lost everything. No one understands me. I'm mad all the time, and I get in fights at school. So I move to another foster home. Now I'm far away from Maya and my mom. I just want my family back, so I'm not alone. The second family can I handle my sadness, so I move again. I'm scared, ready to give up, feeling so alone. Will things ever get better? In just one day, your life can change. The William family says words I haven't heard before. Gabe, 
He won't give up on you. We're in this together. So I test them out. Even when I run away, they welcome me back. I think they really mean it. I really love their friends from church. They hang out and pray for us. Even praying my family will get back together. This is Josie's mac and cheese is so good. It tastes like the food we have at home. Mr. David helps me with fourth grade math. And Mr. Joe is helping me with my pitching so I can make the baseball team. Our church team even got us bed so we could go home next week. I feel torn inside. I feel safe here, but ooh, I can't wait to be back home with Mom and Maya. But guess what? Our church friends are coming too to help us stay together. So you can see that little boy, when he went into foster care, he had been through a lot of trauma. And every single child in the foster care system, every single child who's been adopted has been through some trauma. <laughs> you know, some more severe than others. And as a result, um, and I want to make a plug, we do have a class today about helping kids who have been through trauma, which is going to be excellent. If you guys could go there, that would be awesome. But. Um, you know, kids that have been through trauma, they're going to have behaviors. They're going to act out just because kids don't know how to deal with it, right? I mean, even as adults, we have problems dealing with trauma when we experience it. So they're going to have behaviors. You're going to have issues. And um, these are things that are very hard to deal with sometimes. And foster parents, they say most... Uh, 50% of foster parents will drop out within the first year of fostering just because it is so, so difficult. But it's proven 90% will stay fostering if they have a good support system around them. So it is so vital. I mean, our role, Father's Heart, I'm the director of Father's Heart, I forgot to tell you that, but for the Ohio Ministry Network, and Father's Heart is here to equip and empower and mobilize churches to care for vulnerable kids. And one thing that we want to see is we want to see every foster parent surrounded with a care community, surrounded by the support system. It's so important. But um, another, another thing is, by providing support, children are more likely to stay in a home when we provide support. They say that at least one-third or greater of the kids in foster care move two times or more during their first year of placement. Could you imagine, you know, being taken away from your family, your dog, your, things that you love, being put in a stranger's home, you finally get used to them, you got a new school, new friends, and then this foster family can't do it anymore. And so you get moved to another foster family. And then once again, you're starting all over again. You know how, it is, how difficult it is just a normal person uh, 
changing jobs or moving, you know, that's a lot of stress. And so you can imagine if you get more, move more than once, then twice, then three times. I know I have a little girl that I mentor in the foster care system and in one year she was in four different homes. I mean four different schools. It was terrible. And they say every time you go to a different school you're like I think it's like six months behind educationally. It's kind of, so a lot of our foster kids are delayed like educationally, they're behind. And so, you know, it's just so important if we can keep a kid in a home, you know, until they can be reunited with their family or until they get adopted, um, that is the best case scenario. So that's why it's important to have support for foster kids. And then, um, uh, let's see. What can churches do to support? Let's see if. Oh, sorry. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> what can churches do to to support these families? So um, there's ways that we can help with physical needs. Okay. And let me tell you, not everybody can be a foster parent, and not everybody should be a foster parent, right? But the good news is we can all do something. And providing support is one thing that everybody can do. So things that we can do. One is pray, that's for sure. We should be praying for foster kids. We should be praying for foster families. But besides that, that's a given. Besides that, we can provide for some physical needs. Oftentimes when kids come into care, they don't have much. They might have a garbage bag with their stuff in it, which is sad to say, and that's it. You know, um, Sometimes they don't even have that because they're just just had to be removed quickly or whatever and so one thing we can do is help with some of the physical needs you know you can put together care packets uh, for kids going into care with toiletry items maybe a, a stuffed animal as a comfort thing um, just uh, items like toothbrush toothpaste pajamas you know you can provide things like that some churches have put together a clothing closet and for foster adoptive and kinship care families so that they can come and get clothing for free anytime because even though you may get clothes in the very beginning then another season is there like summer or winter and they have to go buy clothes again you know what I mean so it's nice to have like a, a, a clothing closet that's what some churches have done um, one thing we do is Every year we provide teenagers in the foster care system with gift cards, which probably many of you have been a part of because many of our churches all across Ohio make that happen, which is awesome. And that's just a way to show that you care. And a lot of times teens, they don't have, um, they don't get the things for Christmas that the smaller kids get. They get left out. So that's just a way to help support those teens. But um, so there's physical things that we can do to help. If you have a foster family in your church, another thing that you can do, which would be awesome, is to say, hey, let us pay for your kids to go to camp this summer. 
that is huge. You know, I had a family with six kids, <laughs> and I could we could never afford for our kids to go to the um, the camp. You know, the Assemblies of God camp. Now. Uh, we worked with a nonprofit in Youngstown that worked with inner city kids, so we always had a camp for them that a um, that a business paid for. So my kids did get to go to that camp. But I was like, man, it would have been so awesome if my kids could have went to the AG camp that was spirit filled. That you know, just to get that. Um, so that's one thing we can do for our foster families is, hey, let me pay for your kids to go to camp. That would be absolutely huge. Um, and then they have Royal Family Kids Camp, right? <laughs> that's a camp that's geared just towards foster children. Um, and then we have Care Portal. I don't know. Um, how many of you are familiar with Care Portal? Okay, some of you. The Care Portal is a awesome, awesome tool for the church. This is a way to provide for physical needs for, um, for vulnerable children and families in your community. And what it is, is school teachers, social workers, anybody dealing in a professional realm with uh, vulnerable children and families can put a need into this portal system. So you might have a school teacher or a school social worker say, oh, this kid's coming to school every day with the same outfit on. Kids are making fun of him because it's dirty. You know, is there um, a church that could provide five outfits of clothing for this child? And so once that goes into the portal system, churches that are signed up with Care Portal will see that need. And when you sign up as a church, you can put the radius of the needs you want to receive. So it could be a 10-mile radius within your church or a 5-mile or a 20-mile radius of your church. And you'll see those needs. And then you say, hey, yes, we can provide five outfit outfits of clothing for this child. The nice thing is it's designed so that you get the family's information and the church is the one to go to the family, deliver the need, and then you can pray for that family, you can connect with that family, and just provide support for that family. So it's meant to be more than just providing for a physical need. It's meant also to be a relational thing. And... Um, yeah, connection with that family. So that's a way Care Portal helps. And Care Portal not only helps um, foster adoptive and kinship care families, but it also can help biological families that are at risk. So you're connecting with it, maybe pre um, preventing a child from going into the foster care system. And the cool thing is Care Portal gives you all the stats. So to, yesterday I was talking with um, someone, Robin Kidd. She's actually gonna, there's a Care Portal class too today. So if you're more interested, if you want to find out more information, you can go to that class. But she was just telling me that um, within the last year that they've been a part of Care, not even a year, I don't think they've been in Care Portal. But since they've been in Care Portal, they have kept 72 kids out of the foster care system. So it gives you the stats, like these are the kids that you've helped. So their church like, kept 72 kids, prevented them from going into foster care. So that's an awesome, awesome tool. And then there's the relational support. And this is, 
uh, if you have foster adoptive families in your church or in your community even, your church can do things like, hey, we can provide a respite night, like a, a date night time for foster families um, where we can minister to the children, we could have a whole program, we could feed them dinner, the kids, and let the parents, the foster parents, the kinship care parents, the uh, adoptive parents, go out for two or three hours and then come back and get your kids. So that's, that's an, uh, what? Yeah, yeah, right. All the foster parents say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so that's a way that a church can uh, provide some relational support. And I know a church that did this, and actually it was a small group in their church decided this is what we want to do. It was a small group. So they put on a respite night for foster families, and they opened it up to... Um, to the community and so they started having these parents come and they did it once a month you could do it once a quarter you could do it once a year however but they did it once a month and so after doing it they formed this real good relationship with the parents and the parents were like hey how do we become a part of your small group <laughs> you know and so then what they started doing because the parents wanted to be involved and some of them started coming to the church and so what they started doing was like every other week they would meet and so one week would be where the parents could go out on a date night the next time they met during the month they just had everybody bring something to eat they all ate together all the the foster parents and their kids and everybody and they just kind of had like a, a meal together and a fellowship time together and just kind of got to know each other even better and it, it was a great thing so that's a way you could do that um, Another thing is um, you can have a support group for foster parents. Like, it's just a great thing. Like, if you have a group of foster parents in your church, if you could give them a time where, hey, you guys could meet together, just have, a, a, you know, some support, and we'll watch the kids while you do that. So I know a church um, in Cincinnati, they did this. Uh, yeah, People's Church, they were doing it like on Wednesday nights as part of their thing, I believe, where the kids could get cared for in their kids' ministry and that, and then the foster parents could meet and go through like a Bible study. I didn't bring it with me, but there are some great Bible studies for, um, for that type of thing for foster parents to go through. And so one of the things is for foster moms, sorry dads, but foster moms, it's called Second Mother Bible Study. And um, matter of fact, I was doing it on Zoom with foster moms around the, the state, and we'll be doing it again probably in the fall. But um, that's a great Bible study to go through. There's another one that's for, it's not specific for ladies, so it could be for anybody, but um, it's called Ready or Not, and it's by Pam Parrish. That's another great Bible study uh, to do, and that's a great uh, thing to go through even if you're thinking about adopting. It's, it's a really good thing. So the, the next thing that I really want to get to is uh, wraparound support for foster families. So this is, I think, the, the greatest way to support foster families. Okay, this is like the star. This is like a great tool. And it is, uh, we call them like care communities. 
So it's providing a foster family or a kinship care family, adoptive family with a care community with wraparound support. So that looks like four to eight people uh, or units, a husband and a wife is considered one, okay? So four to eight units or people that are committed to serving a foster family, adoptive family, kinship care family for at least one year. And what they do is we have a whole training for this, like a whole model that you can go through. But it's, um, so you have, you have that team is committed to praying for that foster family regularly. You, they provide some prayer support. And not only that, they have like, they, amongst the team, they make sure that foster family has one meal a week delivered to their house. It could be even a gift card, but so they know that throughout that team. So really, if you have a team of eight people, it's like once every other month you're providing a meal if you split it up, you know, or if you have a team of four people, it's once a month, you know, so you spread it out, but they make sure that that foster family has a meal once a week where they don't have to cook. And, you know, you may think, well, boy, I wish I had that. I do. I wish I had that. But, <laughs> but you know, when you're dealing with kids that have extreme behaviors that are been through trauma, it is so important to spend time with them. It is so important. And when you're getting off of work, picking up kids, trying to help everybody's homework, you know how it is, the routine, right? And cook dinner, it's like by the time you're done with all that, it's time to give them a bath and put them to bed, you know? You don't have time. But if you had somebody that said, hey, here's a meal, then, ah, oh, we could sit down. We can, you know, I can read a book with my kid. I can connect with them. It's so important. So then in that wraparound team also, you have uh, people that are approved to babysit. So you have uh, babysitters that are available. I know um, Katrina and Vinny that um, are one of our pastors, they, um, they had adopted two little kids and then they took in these two foster boys that were um, too little. They, I mean, all their kids were like three and four, like the ages, you know, it was crazy. But these two little boys they brought in their home were very, very um, severe behaviors because of trauma. And I mean, like really bad. And so they did it for a couple months and they were exhausted. They were like, we can't go on like this. And then Children's Services says, well, we're going to, um, there was a family member that stepped up, an aunt and uncle that want to take the boys. And so they went to be with the aunt and uncle. And Katrina and Vinny were like, thank God, because <laughs> we can't do this, you know. So the boys went to live with the aunt and uncle. And that lasted about a month. And the aunt and uncle were totally ex wore out. They couldn't do it anymore. And that's sad because you think, man, if they would have had a support system around them, maybe that aunt and uncle could have done it. But anyhow, so they asked Katrina and Vinny, would you take them back? And their first response was, no, <laughs> we just can't. But they prayed about it, and they really felt like the Lord was telling them to take these boys back, but not to do it alone. So they went to their church, and they came to me, and we were able to put a support system around them just to do this, to provide babysitting, to provide um, meals, to provide some uh, help with chores around the house and different things. And they, they, we got the care community around them. They got the boys back. 
And do you know, it was, Katrina will tell you today, it was a life changer. And actually, they had them, and Children's Services came to them and says, it looks like these guys are going to um, go into permanency, and so would you consider adopting them? And, at, and Katrina and Vinny were like, yes. They, they said, yes, we can do this because we're not doing it alone. We are not doing it alone. And so it ended up that the biological dad ended up stepping up and, and getting the boys. But just to know that just providing that support was a total life changer, you know? <laughs> like they could do it. And they had like the support team. I remember that um, their one daughter had to go into the hospital and their support team was right there. You know, taking care of the kids, providing meals. Uh, their support team even came and put this play set together in their backyard. I mean, but, you know, if they didn't have that, <laughs> that wouldn't have been possible. So that wraparound is so, so important. Um, and like I said, you know what? You, you don't have to foster and adopt, but... Uh, no foster parent or an adoptive parent kinship care person should do it alone. They need that. They need that support. And uh, the nice thing is that in, in one of the, the care communities we had, this one lady was like, you know what? I can't do kids. I don't really like being around kids. I can't, you know, but I want to support them. So how, what can I do? And, and like I said, everybody can do something. And so uh, they came up with um, this lady loved to do laundry. And so she, and this was a large family. They had like seven kids or eight kids. I don't know. And so she would go to their house, I think once a week or once every other week, and change all their bedding, wash it, and make their beds up. I mean, that's huge, you know? You could spend a whole day doing that. <laughs> so, you know, there's something for everybody. Um, so an advocate. So the one thing that you need is somebody in your church that's willing to lead this, okay? And I suggest one or two people that are willing to be an advocate. We call them an advocate. So um, this is just a little video about being an advocate. So... All children need a safe and secure home. Unfortunately, that's not the case for many vulnerable children and youth across the nation. God's ordained solution for the hurting has always included the local church. And his answer for vulnerable children? Families. Psalm 686 reads, God sets the lonely in families. So how can you help make this promise a reality today, even for one child? There are countless ways for churches to serve children who are at risk in your local area. We call church-led ministries that serve vulnerable children and families Family Advocacy Ministries, or FAMS. No matter how you choose to engage, each FAM needs a team of passionate leaders at its home. We call these leaders advocates. We recommend having an advocate team of at least two people. Doing ministry together as a team is much more fun, and it allows you to use your God-given gifts and helps you build a more sustainable ministry. You do not need to be an expert in child welfare to be an advocate. We will equip you with all that you need to know, provide you with resources, and support you along the way. Each fam is unique, and the ways your fam will engage depends on the heart of your church congregation, 
the needs of children and families in your local community, and the time you can allot to serving in this role. Most advocates commit to at least two years of service, spending just two to three hours a week volunteering. That consistent commitment and dedication translates to an incredible impact in the lives of children and families. More importantly, your efforts will have an eternal impact in leading hurting people to the hope of Jesus. Do you have a heart for children, especially vulnerable children who might be in foster care or at risk of entering care? Do you ache to see healing brought to hurting families and children? Are you passionate about seeing families restored? Are you an adoptive or foster parent? If you answered yes to any of those questions, you have the heart of an advocate. So what type of person makes a great advocate? I'm glad you asked, and it really depends on your unique giftings. Some advocates work behind the scenes with their relational giftings to support and encourage frontline families and volunteers. If you love speaking and sharing, you could be an advocate whose job is to create awareness and convey the needs of vulnerable children in your community. Other advocates use their attention to detail to help keep their fam organized by utilizing an easy-to-use software. And yet others work to uplift the fam in prayer and keep the congregation informed through social media and newsletters. Oftentimes, your role on the advocate team will include a combination of these responsibilities. So what's your next step? If you're interested in learning more about the advocate role or being part of an advocate team, you can reach out to the person who sent you this video. You will also need buy-in from church leadership to allow your fam to develop. It's important that the pastor understands the fam is church-owned and operated, but he or she does not have to lead the ministry. If you are interested in starting a fam and don't yet have the support of church leadership, we can also provide you with resources to guide you in talking with your pastor. We hope you'll prayerfully consider serving on an advocate team. You and your church will be an incredible blessing to children and families in your community. Prayer is the foundation of all fans. Seek God's guidance as you follow His call to serve. We know that He goes before you in all things. All right, so that tells you a little bit about what an advocate is. And Alyssa, she's going to come up. She's an advocate at her church, Horizon. And um, I asked her just to share a little bit about their experience with... Um, care communities and that. Go ahead. Hi. Um, she said, my name is Alyssa. I am the advocate at Horizons Christian Assembly in Middlefield, which is in Geauga County. Um, not very good at impromptu speaking, so I wrote. <laughs> so, uh, we started our Father's Heart Ministry at our church in November of last year. Since then, we've formed two care communities for foster families in our church, and we are working on a third. Um, the very first family we formed a care community for has nine children. Um, they have four biological, four, no, four bio, four adopted, and two foster. Um, they adopted from the foster system. Um, they have been fostering for about 11 years and have taken care of about 13 children. When I was first discussing with Kristen, the foster mom, about forming them a care community, they were just blown away. Uh, foster parents often have a hard time asking for help. So accepting something like this was really hard for them to do and kind of humbling. She told me that they didn't have any help. Uh, many of their friends had distanced themselves from them over the years. 
Their friends didn't want to be around all the young kids as much anymore since their kids were all grown. They used to have this relationship when all their kids were the same age, but then this family, you know, kept taking care of kids, and so they didn't they didn't want to be around them as much anymore. Kristen has gotten comments like, well, you signed up for this. It's your problem. And she said it, you, it would shock you what some people say. Um, and when are you going to stop fostering? Don't, don't you think you're getting too old? And uh, she's in her early 40s. <laughs> um, they had no one to help except for other foster families who could understand their situation. And they don't have a lot to give either. <laughs> um, this is why a care community was such a beautiful thing for them. There are six people who chose them with all their kids, all their noise, their drama, and their trauma. Um, and these people said, yes, I want to be a part of their lives. They now receive a meal once a week from different members of their team. They also have two child mentors who babysit occasionally. Um, the one child mentor's name is Kara, and the family's uh, got an 11-year-old adopted daughter. She has really taken a shine to Kara. They go on girl dates. They go do their nails and, you know, just hang out together. Um, Kara's really built a bond with this 11-year-old former foster kid who has needed it. She's had a lot of trauma in her life, and she is the one that the foster mom has the, you know, is the most concerned about. And now she's building a relationship with this really good example and this woman from church who just wants to love on her and pour into her. Um, I even saw on Facebook around Christmas a picture of Kara with the family at the 11-year-old's band concert. I just mm -hmm. cried. It was so sweet. Because mm -hmm. she went out of her way to, like, you are important. What you're doing is important. Um, this family's care community has surrounded them with love and support and prayers. They have stepped into the gap and become the extended family and friends that the family needs. And by doing so, they're fulfilling what God spoke in Matthew 25, 40. I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Oh, thanks, Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah. So... You're probably saying, well, how do we start? You know, what do we do to get started? And um, uh, first of all, pray. <laughs> it has to be bathed in prayer. You have to have a foundation of prayer for this ministry. You just do. Like any ministry, right? Yeah. I mean, you have to have a good prayer support team. And secondly, decide who will lead the ministry. It's important to decide who will lead the ministry, but not only that, also that um, you have to make sure you have your pastor's support. I'm telling you, when you have your pastor's support, and no pastor should lead it. I mean, pastors are just too busy, have too much to do. You can't do it as a pastor. But uh, pastors, if, uh, if you give support, if your pastor gives support, it goes a long way. People will buy in quicker if they have the pastor's support. So that's important. So you'd want to decide who's going to lead the ministry. I have to make sure you have the pastor's support. Decide what you want to do. 
like we shared some of the things you could do a respite night you could do uh, material collect material things for foster families or you could provide like wraparound support there's all kinds of things that you can do but you got to decide what works for your church not every single thing is going to work for every single church so you got to decide what is your church's niche what is going to work for your church um, and the other thing I say is pick one thing and do that well. And then if you got that down, then maybe you want to expand to something else. So you may want to start with Care Portal, and then once you get that going, start Care Communities. Or you may want to start with Care Communities, and once you get that going, say, hey, let's add Care Portal. But pick one thing to do first. You, it can be too overwhelming to, to try to tackle more than one thing. <laughs> and then you'll want to have an awareness event. So at an awareness event, it, and your awareness can, event could be Stand Sunday. Um, Stand Sunday is a day that's one day out of the year. It's, it's nationally, it is the second Sunday in November, but it could be any Sunday. You don't have to have it that day. But it's one day to bring awareness to the foster care crisis and one day to decide how are we going to help you know and so stand sunday is a great day a great event event a launch day you know it's a great day to bring awareness you could have a movie night where you feature a a movie that has to deal with foster care and adoption and then at that movie night you can present like hey we're gonna start a ministry here if you're interested sign up you know and whatever what whatever event you choose you always want to have your next step ready so you always want to have like a sign-up sheet for people who are interested because if you don't you're gonna have people who their hearts are tugging God's dealing with their hearts but if if you don't get them to sign up or whatever you're gonna lose them you know what I mean that that will fade away it will go to the back of their mind you know so you want to have your next step ready to go and that you want them to sign up so after the awareness event um, you want to develop your team and you do this by having um, you want to have an interest meeting so I don't know if I put that on there, but an interest meeting. So you have an interest meeting for those who signed up. You know, it's like the awareness event. You're throwing out the big net, you know, and just putting it out there. And then the when you have your interest meeting, the, the net, you know, you kind of have those who are thinking, yeah, this might be a good fit for me. But at the awareness event, you know you want to share your vision you want to share what you're going to be doing you're going to want to share maybe testimonies um, you're going to want to introduce the leadership you're going to want to cast the vision like I said and also talk about why you're doing this why is this important why you're doing this and then talk about how you're going to do this and so you're going to the the awareness event so then you'll have people that will be like yes I'm all in right so then the next step would be would be uh, training your volunteers so you'll want to have training and that so let me tell you that um, uh, Father's Heart we partner with an organization called Promise 686 and we do trainings for these things now today we couldn't get into all the the 
the details of like the support system, the care communities and stuff. So if you would like to learn more, oh, and then you launch your ministry. But um, if you would like to go through the FAM training, the, fam, the family advocacy ministry, ministry training, <laughs> um, you can scan that or you can um, copy me. But if they, we have a training and you can go through the training. And the nice thing is when you go through the training, it will give you the whole model, the whole model of wraparound support, how to put together the team, everything. And then uh, your church, if you sign a church partnership agreement, which simply says you're going to use the information the way it's supposed to be used, and that you're going to support Father's Heart, because Father's Heart provides this. Um, and that means supporting Father's Heart could be like a one-time gift offering to Father's Heart, or it could be a monthly support to Father's Heart. However, I'm not concerned about like the finances. I just want churches to be involved with this. But um, and then once you do that, and you go through, you have an advocate go through the training, one or two advocates, and you sign the church partnership agreement. Then you have access to this portal that has everything you need. I mean, it has videos to train your volunteers. It has um, videos on uh, like job descriptions for each of the roles, like the mentor role, the the um, team leader role. It has like all the job descriptions you need. It has sample emails. It has a system where you can uh, put on a calendar who's doing a meal when, and it sends out reminders to them. Uh, so so it's a great portal system. It has everything you would need um, already there in templates. And you can, it's designed so that you can put your own church name on it and whatever. So um, it's very usable. So if you're interested, you can uh, just do that or you can talk to me later. But um, it's a great tool. But you know what? I know we're running out of time here, but I want to open it up. Is there any questions? Anybody has any Questions, input? So if you think you're interested, you could do this before, like, the heavy commitment. You could go through this. Yeah, you don't have to commit. Yeah, this is yeah. just a training. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. just a, 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 a more in-depth training. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I might not even be, I might not even have enough details to ask this question. Oh, it's okay. Way. Yeah. But um, I know my husband and I have started, like, introing into care portal and we're kind of waiting on I'm, I'm rusty on the terminology but some of the other community leaders that need to be involved so we have enough for our county okay yeah so we kind of did the initial intro into that so if we are supposed to be heading up care portal for our church how does this integrate in because I know you mentioned something oh, really yeah. good which yeah. was start with one thing mm -hmm. and launch with that and do that well and then right add. yeah um, so I guess framework wise mm -hmm. I'm very visual so yeah how does care portal fit into fam would fam be like the overarching ministry and care portal is yes under the umbrella? Okay. yes yeah fam is the overarching ministry and care portal would be under fam care communities would be under fam you know yeah there's a little uh, funny square on the it is something different on the propaganda yeah <laughs> so this is just a card about uh, father's heart 
Um, and this will take you to the Father's Heart website. But you can get to that through the Father's Heart website. Yeah, you can. Yeah, so it's on here and it will. you'll eventually get there. <laughs> But this takes you to the Father's Heart website. And this tells you a little bit about Father's Heart. Oh, let me tell you, this, uh, this uh, paper, Next Steps, is uh, on the back are squares. And these are ways that your churches can uh, support foster adoptive and kinship care families. And like I just say, pick a square. You know, So it might be care portal. It might be care communities. But here's some ideas as well for supporting families. All right. Are there any other questions? All right. Well, thank you guys so much. <laughs>